Thanks for listening to this sermon from River of Life Alliance Church. We hope the Holy Spirit uses it to point you toward Jesus. If you call River of Life home, we'd encourage you to join a journey group where you can unpack our sermons with a group of people who want to get to know you, who will care for you, read the Bible with you, pray over you, and serve alongside you. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that if we'll open our hearts and tell you that we're sorry for our sins and ask you to please come into our hearts and lives, you will. And I thank you that Jesus resides within us. And so, Lord, I pray today that by your Holy Spirit, uh, you'll hide your servant behind the cross. I, I pray that you'll teach us from your word. I pray that you'll encourage us. I pray that you'll give us peace. I pray that you'll build us up. And I pray that you'll move us to action. And Lord, uh, you know all the unspoken needs here this morning. And I pray in Jesus, you will meet those needs today. And we'll just thank you and praise you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, very, very much. Good morning, church. And uh, that last song that we just did could not be more fitting uh, than any any song I could think of uh, for the message today. In fact, I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. Uh, John 14, 6, uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so we know that whenever we find truth, it's of God. Whenever we find truth, uh, it's, it's of Jesus. Uh, if it's truth, it's of the Lord, no matter where you find it. And you can find it in, in many, many different places. Uh, yesterday, I was in Price, Utah for a funeral of a former elder over at Price uh, uh, Chapel in Price, Utah, uh, Dr. Alfonso Trujillo. Uh, Dr. Trujillo was 94 years old. Uh, Dr. Trujillo jumped into Normandy with the 82nd Airborne the day before D-Day. Uh, he was in military intelligence, an enlisted man. Uh, He was not uh, going to be allowed to go because of all the information that was in his head. Uh, Finally, after appealing to the uh, uh, highest general in his situation, he was allowed to go if he left his dog tags and all ID behind uh, in England. And uh, so he went, uh, uh, not anonymously to the United States government, but he went anonymously in a band of brothers. And uh, he fought uh, in Europe until the end of the war, uh, saw it from the beginning of D-Day all the way through. Uh, Came home. He had been valedictorian down in Manassa, Colorado at the high school there. And uh, he became a Ph.D. in chemistry, a Ph.D. in math. He taught at the College of Eastern Utah. He became their vice president. He became their academic dean. On many occasions, he was their acting president and uh, brought them to the place that they became Utah State East uh, there in Price. Uh, He was an awesome man. And uh, and, uh, uh, I had forgotten that Doc loved classical music after the war and everything he had been through and gone through and 
like all those of his generation, they never talked about it, but he found uh, classical music very soothing to his soul. And he would listen to classical music on end. And, uh, and yesterday at the funeral, there were three pieces of classical music, and I remembered, aha, this was what was so calming to Doc's soul after all the atrocities he had seen in the Second World War. So truth is where you find it. So I found some truth that's going to stretch some of you today. Are you ready to be stretched? Okay. If you're not a country music fan, you're going to be afterwards. Okay. But I found a video and then a song by Kenny Chesney. It's actually six minutes long, but I think it's worthy of us listening to. And I would encourage you to listen to the lecture And then I would encourage you to listen to the song, which is entitled Rich and Miserable. And I think it really sets up 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. So please, uh, I beg you, uh, give a listen, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. and miserable. Now, is that an oxymoron? <laughs> or, or, or is it just the result of some dreams and aspirations that have gone completely haywire on the road to happiness? What does that even mean, rich? Somebody, somebody give me a definition of the word rich. Money. Absolutely. Give the man a cigar. Lots of money. Tons of money. So you're swimming in butter. At least that's what they keep telling us in the world outside. But think about this. Each one of you comes in here every single day to learn something that will better prepare you for success in the great big world outside of these doors. Our goal is to educate you so that you're equipped to face whatever may come your way. But What about you? Hmm? What are you actually learning about you? In other words, what makes you happy? What makes you tick? We all have different likes and dislikes, different strokes for different folks, right? (laughs) Here's the challenge. I want you to forget about whatever it is you think you might face outside these doors and whatever you think that you want out of life or or believe that life may owe you I want you to put all of that aside and I just want you to think about one thing I want you to think about what you will give what will you be willing to give to change the word miserable to joyful What will you be so rich with that you'll be willing to share it with the entire world? And I want you to distill all that down to one word, come up here, write it on the board, and then walk out the door. And then I want you to give it to the world. 
Well, that'd be good. Come on up. Green grass, hope the cows graze. Hedge fun, 401. Keg milk and honey in the land of the free. New York Times, farmers all Monday. Too busy to call our mama. Back porch ain't what it used to be. We don't know what we want, but we want it. And we want it all right now. We're too young and too, we're too old. We're all lost on the yellow brick road. We climb the ladder, but the ladder just grows. We're born, we work, we die. It's spiritual. Enough is never enough. American dream never wakes up. Too much. Is never too much. We won't be happy till we're rich and miserable. Go to school to get a job. Don't make enough to pay it off and on and on it goes. Right wing blue jeans. Get the new thing, whatever it takes to make the world look at you think. We're too young and too, we're too old. We're all lost on the yellow brick road. We climb the ladder, but the ladder just grows. We're born, we work, we die. It's spiritual. Enough is never enough. American dream never wakes up. Too much is never too much. We won't. had to boil it down to one word today, that you're going to go outside those doors and give to people and let it serve as your legacy, what would that word be? For me, it would be Jesus. 
because Jesus is more than enough. And we even sing the song. Everything else will fade. Everything else will pass away. I came to the conclusion a long time ago, the only things that remain are the word of God and people. And they remain uh, either in eternity with Jesus or in eternity without Jesus. And when we come to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 10 this morning, that's exactly what it's saying. And so as we look at 2 Peter and we look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, I want to encourage you to think about what is it that I am giving to others? What is it that I am giving my life to? What is it that I am investing my life in? Because I think we can get on this yellow brick road where uh, we buy the license plate that says, the one with the most toys wins. And I don't think that's much of a legacy to leave behind. I really don't. Now, when I come to a message and I prepare it, I start well in advance, and I kind of go through several outlines, and, and I, I let it kind of percolate inside. In fact, I, I think of myself as a big compost pile. Okay? And, you know, they have some of those compost barrels where you, you put all the stuff inside and, and you let it ferment and you let it set there. and It even has a handle crank on it and you turn it around once in a while. And, and I like to do that when it comes to Scripture and a message. I, I like to put it in there and I like to let it churn and, and churn. And uh, as it was churning and I came across uh, uh, this video uh, as I sat down for a break, and I seemed to do that more and more, uh, I thought, whoa, whoa. This consolidates it into a unique package that simply says, what am I, what, am you, what are you, in one word, going to give to the world? And that world means our families as well, and those that we work with those that we come in contact with. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd encourage you to turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 10, and we read these words. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Okay? You see what Peter's doing here? He's turning their compost barrel. All right? He's stirring it up. Uh, he wants to remind them of certain things. Verse 2, that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is this promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens exist long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water and through water. The world at the time was destroyed, uh, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being preserved for fire, kept for a day of judgment, and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, 
that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burnt up. May God take his word and apply it to our hearts and lives this morning. And, and I simply want to begin by saying as we look at verses 1 through 7, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. In the New Testament, uh, the early church had a word, Maranatha, and they would often say it uh, uh, all the time, Maranatha, which means, Lord, come quickly. But I want you to hear it, my friends, this morning. The Lord is coming back. He came the first time as a suffering servant, but the second time he is coming as a Davidic warrior king to set up his kingdom here on earth for a thousand years to rule with a rod of iron and to show us what it could have been like if we hadn't sinned. He's coming back. And, and, and if you don't leave with anything else this morning, I want you to leave with an understanding that he's coming back and that this is an essential teaching of the gospel. In fact, if you go to 1 Corinthians, I hadn't planned to do this, but that's, this is part of, of stirring the pot. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, beginning with verse 1, we have the definition of the gospel, the good news, where Paul says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance that I also received that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. And he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom who remain remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. The gospel is that... That, that God set aside being God. Philippians 2 tells us this. He emptied himself. He took on the form of a bondservant. Jesus came to earth. He was born of a virgin. He lived amongst us. He encountered every temptation that we encounter, and yet he is without sin. He chose to go to the cross, and there he laid down his life for me and for you. And on the third day, he rose again because God, Death could not contain him, and it was a symbol that it was the victory over death and sin. Amen? That is the gospel. That is the good news. But we can give it to those around us in one word, and it's called Jesus. And sometimes it is so easy. I went over for the funeral, and I'm I'm cheap, so I get my rooms on hot wire and I've decided I won't get any more two-star rooms. I'll get three stars, but I'll take a three-star with a 50% recommendation just because I'm cheap. 
Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I think in two stars, I've been in a couple that I probably could have got bed bugs. Uh, but, <laughs> but I had one where I went into the breakfast room. I wondered why nobody was in there, and all they had was cornflakes, and they had all this blue fuzz on the cornflakes. It, it, this was this was outside of Ames, Iowa. It was very humid, uh, <laughs> and so so at that point I upgraded from two stars to three stars. Okay, so I do the three star deal, and I I am guaranteed a, a queen size bed. Now my wife is very thin, and that's fine for her, but I kind of like some <laughs> elbow room, you know. <laughs> So I, uh, to, the, to the embarrassment of my wife, I even took my Price uh, Police Chaplain badge off the wall and took it with me, thought maybe that could get me a king-size bed. <laughs> it, it, it didn't. <laughs> I, I think it, in, it irritated the gal behind the counter, and so finally she was getting so irritated, I said, uh, well, I'm not trying to ruin your day. I said, where do you go to church? <laughs> she says, I don't. <laughs> I could have guessed that, but, <laughs> but, but she says, I don't. And I said, well, I said, that's okay. Uh, where are you going to spend eternity? And you know what? She woke up, and she said, I really don't know. And uh, I said, well, if you'd like to know, let me know, and we can talk about that. Uh, you know, we pass people every day with no idea knowing where they're going to spend eternity. And Jesus, as he left this earth the first time, he said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them all things as I have taught you, and lo, I am with you until the end of the age. And we've been given our marching orders to give them Jesus. Well, let's dig into a few verses here. And, uh, and I want us to leave convinced today that, that Jesus is coming back. The first verse I want to take you to is in Acts chapter 1. Uh, Jesus is still with us. This is after the resurrection uh, and uh, before the ascension. In fact, it is the ascension. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, we read these words. It says, So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it time that you are restoring your kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And notice what he says we should do here. You shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea, and in Samaria, and even into the remotest parts of the world. And so he says, you're to go give them Jesus right where you live, and in your county, and in your state, and in your nation, and, and by the way, in the whole world, the whole gospel for the whole world. That's really what council is all about and why they are meeting this week. Then he goes on in verse 9, and he says, After he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received them out of their sight. Now, this is actually a message all in in itself, and we won't preach it today. But uh, after 
he ascended, in verse 10 it says, And they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going. And behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they said, Men of Galilee, (laughs) why do you stand looking in the sky? I think Jesus says that to the church all the time. (laughs) Why are you stargazers? Why, Why are your eyes way out here in the future somewhere why is it that 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 as my church what you do best is set and stare i've known people that when they wake up in the morning they have to have a certain amount of time they may have a cup of coffee but they have to have a certain amount of time to just set and stare and if they get that time it's a pretty good day for them but if they don't get that time oh Keep your distance. Give them Jesus tomorrow. Okay. Uh, uh, And the angel said to the disciples here, "Why, why are you standing looking in the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into the heavens will come just in the same way as you've watched him go. And so here we have very heaven itself saying, just as he ascended, he's coming back. And he's coming back, and he's coming back to the Mount of Olives in Israel, and he's coming back. Now, it's been 2,000, 2,000 some years since uh, uh, that time. But remember, as we get to the end of these verses, we are told that a thousand days with the Lord is as one year is as one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So time is, is not an issue for God. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, we, we read about his second coming in several places. I want to start first with verse uh, uh, 23 in 1 Corinthians 15. And in 1 Corinthians 15, verse uh, uh, 23, we read this. He says, uh, but each in his own order, he's talking about the resurrection. Let's back up to verse 22. For as in Adam all die, so also Christ will all be made alive. Okay? Uh, Did you hear the song? We're born, we live, we work, we die. It's a spiritual thing. And it is a spiritual thing. We are on a spiritual journey. And we have orders on that spiritual journey to give others Jesus because he is more than enough. And so it says, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Now, I'm one that has planned for my death. I found the best gift you can give to your kids is to plan that all out. So a number of years ago, my youngest daughter sent me a $100 gift card to Costco and I got online and bought an urn, and uh, she was kind of put out at first, (laughs) but it's been at least uh, six years or longer, and I've been enjoying the urn. I get to see it, you know, and it's American-made, it's black walnut, uh, it's got some birds etched on the front. I figured uh, my funeral, they can sing, I'll fly away, old glory. And, and and maybe even free bird, I don't know. Uh, but uh, 
but I got that. I went to Ed Fast and Callahan's over here, and I prepaid uh, my cremation simply because that's uh, accelerated dust. And after the funeral yesterday, I'm very glad I did that. Because Dr. Hill, I knew he was sick, so, so it was actually the Saturday after Good Friday and before Easter, I drove over to Price and spent three or four hours with Doc, uh, just reminiscing and talking with him, and he told me how he wanted to be cremated, but he hadn't prepaid his, and he hadn't set it up. He had just expressed his wishes to his family. And you know, he ups and dies, and his family didn't honor his wishes. I walk in, and there's a beautiful pine casket, and, and that's wonderful. But the first thing I said is, I thought Doc wanted to be cremated. Well, he did, but we couldn't do that. And, and so, so if, if there's a particular way you want to go out, uh, you need to go take care of that before you go out. Because after you go out, you have no control, okay? okay? They just do whatever they want to do, okay? So I, I'm, I'm just, this, this isn't part of the message. This is, just a, this is just a side note to help you, help you navigate the trail of life. Because we are born, we live, we work, and we die. Unless we're still living when Jesus comes back. And so keep that in mind. Okay, let's get to verse 23. We're in 1 Corinthians 15. But each in his own order, talking about who will rise in Christ. Christ, the firstfruit. After that, those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father. When he has abolished all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be abolished is death. So, we find that there's going to be a resurrection. The first one was Jesus. The second one is those that belong to Christ, and that is his church. Remember how Scripture says the first shall be last? And the last shall be first. The church is resurrected first. First the dead in Christ, and then those who are alive and remain at his coming. And then there is a resurrection of Old Testament saints. And then there is a final resurrection of the unrighteous dead and a judgment known as the great white throne Judgment. So we, we see there is an order to the resurrection. Now jump ahead in 1 Corinthians 15 to verse 51, and we read these words. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will rise uh, imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then we will come about the saying that is written, 
Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gave us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? (laughs) He's coming back. He's coming back. And when he gets, comes back, the dead in Christ will rise first, They will get their new bodies, their immortal bodies, their imperishable bodies. And then we who remain in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, will be caught up and we will be transformed and we will get an imperishable body. We will get an immortal body. We will get a perfect body. I have no idea what a perfect body looks like. I just know I've never had one. And I'm looking forward to it. An imperishable, perfect body in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And we receive that. And so, so he's coming back. And when he comes back, it's not only a fulfillment of Scripture, it's, it's, it's for his church and, uh, and, uh, and, and the, this, these awesome things are going to take place. I'll never forget the pastor that preached on this passage one time. And instead of a mortal body, he kept saying a moral body, an immoral body. Uh, I-M-M-O-R-A-L, an immoral body, you know. We already got one of those. <laughs> we aren't going to get one of those. We're going to get an immortal body. Now turn over to First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. And here again Paul says... But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet uh, the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Uh, When I was a little kid, not a teenager yet, my brother and I, and my brother's three years younger than I, slept in bunk beds. And I first heard this teaching, and I knew my little brother was better than me. And uh, he, he was a good kid, and he's still a good kid. And uh, I used to wake up in the middle of the night, and I would take uh, my legs and feet, and I would push that top bunk gently, not to wake him up, but just to make sure he was still up there and that the Lord hadn't come and my brother went <laughs> and the problem child that I was left behind. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't think the Lord wants us to be filled with fear. He wants us to simply be in a place where we're excited about his coming. And he's coming back. Jesus, the first fruit, the dead in Christ, second, those who are alive and remain, and then the rest of the dead together 
And so as we look at this, it, it brings me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 10, where we read these words. It says, and to give relief, uh, okay, so 2 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 1 here, verses 7 through 10, and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power. When he comes to be glorified in his saints on the day and to be marveled at amongst all who have believed for our testimony to you was believed. He's coming back, folks. So, very quickly, let me just say, there was the cross. Jesus paid the penalty for sin. And when he looked out from the cross and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, he was saying, forgive humanity past, forgive humanity present, forgive humanity future. He paid the penalty there, past, present, and future for our sin. And when we receive him as our Savior, there is also a threefold aspect to our salvation. When we receive him, we are saved. But each day we are being saved from the power of sin. And yet there's coming a day, as we have read in Scripture, where there will be total victory and sin is eradicated forever, so there is a sense that we will be saved. All these processes are going on, and it started at the cross. And so then we have the church age, and at the end of the church age, uh, Jesus is coming back for his church. Now, we read in Revelation there will be seven years of tribulation, and there's quite a lot of good biblical speculation that, that uh, uh, the church will be taken out before the tribulation. Uh, there are equally great uh, Christian scholars who say the church will be taken out in the middle of the tribulation. And there are great, wonderful Christian scholars that say that the church will be taken out right at the end of the tribulation when Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom. Whatever camp you fall into... That's wonderful. I just simply know, like myself, regardless of what camp I believe that I'm in, when Jesus comes back for his church, I'm going, regardless of my position. Right? If I take a post-trib view, and it turns out to be pre-trib, and the trumpet blows, when the trumpet blows, I'm going. I'm not hanging around (laughs) just because I thought it was going to happen over here. (laughs) I'm going when he blows the trumpet. And the trumpet, my friend, will blow. So what I've told uh, people in my other churches is simply plan for a post-trib rapture. Be very happy with a mid-trib rapture. (laughs) Pray for a pre-trib rapture. (laughs) Okay? Uh, But don't grow weary if it doesn't work the way you think it's going to work. Because Jesus is coming back, and we will be with the Lord. Now, the Lord is not slow about his promise. And we're going to kind of 
try and, and wind it up here uh, with that. But before we do, flip back with me to Revelation chapter 19. And we'll look at verse 11, and uh, we'll go to chapter 20 here. And this will go quickly. It says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in the blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Remember what John 1.1 says? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. It's Jesus, the word of God. Verse 14, and the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it he might smite the nations. Uh, What is it we call the Bible? Uh, Doesn't uh, Hebrews 4 tell us that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut between bone and marrow? How did God create the world? He spoke it into being. What happens is Jesus comes back. The armies are assembled against him. He opens his mouth, and he speaks the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. And they are smitten. And and in uh, uh, verse 15, it says, and from his mouth comes the sharp sword, so that with it he may strike the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Notice it's on his robe and on his thigh. (laughs) Now, this is extra biblical, too, (laughs) okay? But verse 16 there is my proof text for tattoos, okay? On his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, don't. That's not scriptural, okay? I'm just telling you what I told my folks. Okay. Verse 17. Then I saw the angel stand in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in midheaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and those who sat on them and the flesh of men, both free and slaves, small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in the presence by which... uh, Uh, He deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who had worshipped his image. These two were thrown into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword, which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven and holding a key to the abyss and the great chain in his hand, and he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him, that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed, and these things must be released, and then he must be released for a short time. So, the Lord comes back. Satan is bound along with the Antichrist, his prophet, 
They're sealed for a thousand years. And Jesus reigns over the earth for a thousand years. No war, no sickness, no famine. We know at least 144,000 come into the millennial kingdom. We come back to reign with the Lord. Ideal situations for a thousand years. And then the dragon, the serpent, Satan is released again. Because, you know, ideal conditions, a lot of children are going to be born. And Scripture says it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. And there is a point where we have to choose between God and Satan, between good and evil, between the truth and the lie. We all are given that choice. And you say, well, what about so-and-so over and so-and-so? Romans chapter 1, verse 23 and following tells us very clearly, actually verses 18 and following tells us very clearly, clearly that we can all see enough from what God has created to know that there is a God. And Matthew 7, 7 tells us that if we will seek, we will find. If we'll ask, it will be given to us. And if we knock, it will be opened. And I think God prefers to use missionaries, and he prefers to use you and I because he has called us to be his witness. He has told us to go and make disciples. But if we aren't willing to go, if God has to send an angel, he'll send an angel. (laughs) And actually, you know the meaning of angel, right? (laughs) It's just simply a messenger of God. A messenger of God. And God will send a messenger one way or another. Now, God is not slow about his promise. Come back to 2 Peter chapter 3, and let's look at verses 8 and 9. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that the Lord with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise as count slowness, but is patient towards you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. For the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, in which heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burnt up. Jesus is not slow about his promise. He's coming back. If you turn back to Revelation and and you want to spend time this afternoon or sometime this week on your own, uh, uh, read Revelation 20 and and Revelation 21. And and it it talks about, in Revelation 20, the the millennial kingdom. And in uh, Revelation 21, it talks about uh, uh, the new Jerusalem and uh, God coming back to put an end to really this earth. And he tells us that this earth will be destroyed by fire. This earth, this heaven, guess what? There really is climate change. And uh, one way or another, God's going to burn this heaven and this earth up. Why? Because it's contaminated with sin. God can't stand in the face of sin. The two can't coexist. So the bad news is this place is getting burnt up. The good news is he's preparing a new heaven and a new earth for you and for me if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. 
And I think it's going to be a pretty good deal. Now, in the new heaven and the new earth, we don't read about oceans, but we do read about there's a river of life, and, and we do read about lakes, and, and, and I think there will be fishing in the new heaven and the new earth because Jesus was kind of into that. Why else in the book of John, when he came back on the Sea of Galilee uh, to meet the disciples and, and to restore Peter, would it tell us that in the nets, after he told them to throw on the other side, there were 153 big ones? Only a fisherman would do that. <laughs> Only a person who liked to fish would do that. Now, it may be all catch and release, but that's okay, because <laughs> he's going to feed us, Right? You know, I don't think we think enough about what is to come and about what he's prepared for us. And so we'll end this morning with what he has prepared for us. And I would ask you to turn to John chapter 14. And in John chapter 14, the, the first six verses, uh, they bring such hope and, uh, and, and they bring such peace, especially at a point of death. Uh, uh, one of the things I remember about Dr. Hill yesterday is he literally ties the best Schofield specials in the world. It's, it's kind of like a cross between a black nymph and a mosquito, and it's got a chenille wrap. And, and if you go up over Soldier Summit on Highway 6, off to the left there, there's a place called Schofield Reservoir. And I used to go up and meet him about 8 o'clock at night because at about 8.15, 8.20, the, the sun would, would drop behind the, the, the hill to the west and, 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 and the lake would come alive with, with boiling fish. And you could throw out one of Dr. Hill's uh, Schofield specials and it would catch a fish every time. And he and his wife, Vera, loved to fish. In fact, sometimes I'd go fish with them in the daytime and she always fished with cheese and she would catch trout and and he wasn't and I wasn't and and you know she was quite a woman she'd say oh pastor Doug why don't you take some of my fish that's just what a man wants to hear (laughs) but it spoke of her heart and her compassion and her love it really did she was willing to share her fish with the pastor who wouldn't use cheese. Okay. John 14, verse 1. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are, are many dwelling places. In the King James, it says many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how are we to know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but through me. Folks, if we had time, we'd go to Matthew chapter 24 this morning and we would look at the signs of his return. But I encourage you this week, read Matthew 24. And then turn on any news channel you want to and ask yourself, 
could he come today? Could he come today? And the answer is yes. But the scripture is clear. He's coming like a thief in the night when no one expects and we're just going about our stuff and, and life is carrying on and, and we're meandering down the yellow brick road. But as a child of God, you and I are to be on mission. And, and, <laughs> and we are to be on mission because that is what he has called us to. And, and notice uh, what he says in verse 9 of 1 Peter 3. He says, or 2 Peter 3, he says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but to come to repentance. The only thing that is keeping Jesus from coming right now is a single word. This wouldn't be a bad word to give to people outside this door either. And the word is called grace. Grace. Not mercy, but grace. In his grace, he is not willing that any should perish. But he wants people from every tongue, every tribe, every nationality, every nation, every people group to come to know him as Lord and Savior. And when we get to peek into the throne room of heaven, we see that in every language, every tongue, every tribe, every people group, there will be people praising the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I want to be one of those. I hope you do too. If you're here this morning and no one has given you Jesus, let this be the day that it happens and you tell them that you're sorry for your sins and you ask them to please come into your heart and life and then you thank him for doing so. Because Jesus is coming back. And boy, when we get there... <laughs> The party will begin. And I believe it will be a party. I like what Louis Giglio says. He says, you know, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, or 13, it says, when we stand face to face, we will be fully known and we'll know fully as we have been fully known. He says, there won't be any more preaching or Bible study. <laughs> It'll all be in here. It'll all be in here. So what do we have to do? Party, party, praise Jesus, party. Uh, uh, I just know whatever I think it's going to be like, it's going to be a thousand times better, a thousand times better. Not a single one of you will be disappointed in heaven. I promise you that. He's coming back. So what do we do with that? My hope and my prayer is that as we go through those doors into our workplace, into school, into the valley, up on the hills, we'll give people Jesus. Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, my prayer for myself this morning is that I would be a doer of your word, not just a reader and a hearer. Lord, help me more and more to be able to give people Jesus. And Lord, I know many times that that's given simply through our actions, but I also know that there are times that we need to speak a word as well. 
and share. Share that God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you. And we thank the Son for being obedient unto death. We thank you for the gift of the gospel. We thank you for the grace that you bestow so freely, so amazingly. We thank you for our salvation. But Lord, we also thank you that in that, that you don't give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but one of boldness and love, so that we can give others Jesus. So Lord, take us from this place, and as we go out into the parking lot and beyond today and tomorrow and this week, help us to give Jesus to others. Lord, let that be our legacy. And we'll just thank you and praise you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.